In this video, we get to talk to Trey Xavier, who started at the ground floor at a blog called Gear Gods, and over the years, he worked up the ranks and eventually started a YouTube channel for the site, which he grew to over 200,000 subscribers, and then got up enough cash sometime in the past year to actually purchase the entire brand from his employer before that company got purchased by a subsidiary of Sony. In this video, we not only cover that entire journey, but also what it's like owning a music blog, what it's like having a YouTube channel and how all the growing pains associated with that, and also a lot about the back end of the music industry that the average person or average artist doesn't necessarily get to hear. Hope you enjoy. Hello, internet world. I'm Trey Xavier. Um, what am I? That's I should have a better short title. Trey Xavier, content creator. I mean, that's like basically sums it up. I'm a musician, a guitarist, a songwriter, YouTuber, recently TikToker. I should probably check and see how my TikTok today is doing before I start saying that kind of thing. <laughs> you don't want to call yourself a TikToker before you have a thousand followers. That yeah, well, I'm, I'm oh, oh, and yep, there's that. Uh, I've got almost, almost 10K, maybe this Ooh. video nope nobody's watching it <laughs> all right we'll say we'll say TikTok TikTok hopeful nice. um but you know um just uh I I also think I fall under the category of educator but that feels so pretentious to say yeah uh, I when people ask me what I do sometimes I feel embarrassed to say like youtuber because it's kind of get a lot of baggage but saying like teacher or educator also feels kind of lame as an explanation of like what what we do i mean we don't do the same thing but we're both basically teaching stuff on the internet <laughs> so yeah you're just a lot more entertaining um, than i am <laughs> <laughs> um that's because i have no inhibitions hmm. um and i don't uh, care if people think i'm weird or stupid or whatever and that's uh got its ups and downs <laughs> um but yeah I, um i will say that i am willing to try lots and lots of different kinds of things um and see what works and what doesn't and although my parents are still married to each other i still have that like comedian um self-loathing narcissism and need to make people laugh mm. so uh entertainer is also a huge part of what I do. But, um, you know, I've, uh, I've, I have a little tiny empire that I'm very proud of, that I love. Um, and, you know, um, between streaming, putting out edited video content, both educational and entertaining, the website, my band, and all the like little social media outlets. I, I think of them as the little ones because they have little vertical content, which is so dumb because like, whatever, like they bring in just as many views or whatever as the, as YouTube. But, um, I, uh, I've got a quite a little thing going on and the, you know, in my courses, um, I it's, it's a lot. I don't really have a life. <laughs> I don't have a lot of free time. I guess for, for all of my people who are watching, who will be watching the final video, um, so you have a channel, which is now called Trey Xavier, but used to be called Gear Gods, and then a blog called Gear Gods, and then social media contents, which I'm assuming have all been turned into Trey Xavier now. They haven't all been. Some of them. Ah. Um, here and there. It's uh, 
because some of them like I don't because the the website is still called Gear Gods and it's still the website hasn't changed at all the blog that you referenced so some of the social media outlets are primarily for that reposting stuff from the website and posting gear related things um but yes uh the the whole empire of which i spake used to be called gear gods as far as the eye could see and it was <sighs> there's a very long story which i will shorten for you as to how that happened um but long story short um, I started out as an employee of Gear Gods. I'm, for some reason, I'm looking back and forth from staring into the eyes of the uh, audience into yours. I should pick one and stick with it. I'm going to look at you. Ooh, how romantic. Um, and, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what kind of stream is it? <laughs> um, so I was started out as an employee of something called Gear Gods. I got in on the ground floor. They hired me as a, a writer for the website. I was writing one post a week for $100 a month for months and months. I was just like, and then I just like did a bunch of stuff that they weren't paying me for. Just like did stuff because it was fun and like I was into it and yeah. I made myself too valuable to uh, to get rid of. And then when the other guy left, the, when the editor in chief uh got a different job i was the obvious choice to hire for that over time i made it a bigger and bigger job just by once again like working too much and doing too much stuff <laughs> how, how many and, years ago was this by the way um it was eight or nine years ago that it started oh, wow. I think. okay yeah so um and then in 2020 i <clears throat> Um, bought the whole company from my bosses. So I bought my job, basically. Um, I bought all of the social media outlets, the website, the um, yeah, the email list, like everything that was and is. Um, and then I changed. <laughs> everything about it basically uh except for once again the the website the gear yeah. gods website and stuff has all um that has all stayed the same because it's um it's definitely still something that i like and that i want to do sort of some of you know and yeah. it has a lot of value for what it is like um just covering heavy uh like the gear of heavy music and stuff so um i actually have i hired a writer to to write all the posts and articles and stuff for the website so that I could focus on just making the, the content, the, yeah. the videos, all that stuff. Now that's a pretty baller move to, to put it lightly. The fact that you just like worked your way up in this company from little blogging grunt guy, not to disgrace what you did, but that, you know, you were starting off at a hundred bucks a month and then yeah. fast forward, eight or so years you you bought the entire you're one the you're the entire face of this company at this point and then two yeah. you purchased it from them <laughs> which is the like most kind of literal interpretation of like for lack of a better one rags to riches <laughs> in a way yeah yeah and you know 
being able to buy think of it like this nobody's ever gonna pay you enough money that you could buy them out right. like i mean like i wasn't poor poor but i was not in a position to like just outright dump that kind of cash so i had to take yeah. out a loan and stuff so um i mean that's typical like yeah. uh which but i i learned a lot about business in a very short period of time we'll say that <laughs> um imagine. and just you know like my bosses were great uh like i have nothing negative to say about them um and you know like it was it was a bit intense negotiating over over a long time but um it all worked out we're all still cool um you know i mean i literally saw uh one of my old boss frank from metal injection like a week ago um yeah. and you know and um i i that was a big part of it for me i was like look like if it doesn't work out and we can't do it we can't reach an agreement that will suck really badly because i will have to start completely over from scratch yeah i'll have to quit and do something else but um i want it to i i don't want this to tear us apart you know like it it be, i mean for a lot of reasons because they're cool because we're friends because um and also because they run the biggest metal outlets uh in the world and like yeah. you know you don't want to ever burn burn that kind of bridge for sure um, but also because I hate conflict. <laughs> yeah. So that's that, kind of weird when you're trying to go negotiate something, you know? That's something I didn't realize at first either was that Gear Gods was part of the same company that owns Metal Injection and a few other big metal blogs, right? Like, what were some of the other ones that um, were part of that? Well, no, it was just those two. Okay. Uh, at the time. Now it's uh, gotten a bit more. Uh, it's it's different now. I I don't really know. Hmm. I don't know what I'm allowed to reveal and what I'm not. I think it's mostly public knowledge, but I'm actually not sure. Oh, yeah. um, Feel free to keep it on the safe side. I don't want you getting getting sued because <laughs> yeah. of a podcast episode. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So, um, but there there it, there's a thing called the Blast Beat Network, and it's its own. Um, Thing. It's its own separate entity, separate from Metal Sucks and Metal Injection. It's yeah. an advertising network, and Gear Gods was part of that. It wasn't actually its own separate LLC until I bought it. Basically, what I bought was all of the the assets. Yeah. Right. And then I had to incorporate it into its own LLC, and then, um, yeah. Uh, so and the branding and all of that. So. Right. Um, it's like it's kind of weird. It's like a weird situation because a lot of people go like, well, why when I did this whole video about, you know, changing the name and everything, I, I told basically this story, not quite in as much depth, but people were like, why would you buy it and then change the name? Like, what did you actually buy? Well, aside from, like I said, the website, which hasn't changed, um, I bought the audience because it's possible that, um, you know, I maybe could have announced that I was leaving and all 200 and whatever thousand subscribers would have subscribed to my new channel that day. 
and everything would have been great. Uh, but I wouldn't have the website. Um, yeah. But realistically, what would have happened is that I would have been starting a new channel, a new identity, everything from scratch. So um, that yeah. would have sucked. Yep. And I was like, it'll take me years to get back to where I am now. I would rather pay the money. I know that I can make it back pretty quickly. And I have. Already? Um, yeah. Oh, cool. That's only... Uh, to make all your money back in two years is pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah, less than two years. Um, it's mostly about, uh, like, leveraging what you've got properly and yeah. giving the fuck you price. <laughs> the, uh, often than you can. We get a super chat, so I feel like I, I oh. have to call it out. From Witherfall, which you, you also know oh Witherfall. Um, yes. He says... Um, well, first he says, oh, nice, what's up, guys? But then he also said, bring back Gear Gods. And then a bunch of people are saying, like, hard disagree. Gear is cool, but music is better. And so people are discussing that. What it's you, fine. He's, he's trolling. What would you, what would you <laughs> like know, to I say know. to people who, like, because before you were a channel that would cover a bunch of gear. And I'm sure that when you kind of switch to the songwriting, I guess that's what I would call you now. You're like a songwriting channel. Whereas before you were mostly a gear channel um yeah do you find that there's people who miss that content did that you have know, any performance impacts or anything like that i i thought that a lot of people would be like okay well it's been fun but <laughs> bye you know yeah um especially on that initial announcement video but that was not the case there were some there were some people who were like yeah i'm here for the gear actually so, um, and, but that's just like the people who actually commented and decided to let me know, you know, like at an airport, you announce your departure. Right. Um, I was like, I, I was, I was shocked. And, it, and I looked at those, like maybe two comments of people who did that. And I was like, holy shit. I thought it would be all this, but I actually gained like a thousand plus subscribers just off of that one video. And I was like, all right. I'm doing the right thing. This is great. Because yeah. if you think about it, what they would actually be saying is, I know I don't want to actually learn about music and how to use the gear that I've got. I just want to twiddle knobs and uh, buy more gear that I'm never actually going to use. That's what you would actually be admitting if you didn't like the switch over. Because for eight fucking years, I've been showing people how to dial in their amps like reviewing guitars and like at this point i and probably anybody who watches this channel seriously has a dick ton of gear you know how to use it like basically and now what yeah you know you're, like you're, but like there, there's kind of a limited lifespan of a subscriber if your whole content is gear because then if let's say someone comes to your channel and they find out that they're going to buy this guitar because you reviewed it and said it was great and this amp because you reviewed it and said it was great. When they buy that, if you're still just covering new gear, your, your channel is kind of useless to them now. I mean, they might still watch it because it's fun to kind of drool over new gear. But um, if you're songwriting, it's a, I would think it's a more never ending kind of relationship with your audience than gear. Yeah. And like, there's because the gear is just a tool and the show isn't tool time 
Um, you know, it's like, I mean, it was, but there's like, yeah, exactly what you're saying. There's a period of time where you have to gather the tools to do the thing. And like, that kind of just goes on forever in, in some way. But like, I don't really acquire gear anymore for the purposes of making, uh, you know, yeah. Like I, I already have way more than I should ever need to make music to write songs and record them. And I mean, I could, if I had the skills, be a complete one-stop shop, like writing, recording, mixing, mastering. I don't mix or master, but if I, if I did, I, I could do all that. I have everything and then some, um, but like the thing that I actually want to do is just the first part of those. And those are the most important things that we do as musicians, writing the songs and recording them, like, like creating the piece of, uh, of art, like, uh, what's it called? Like conceptualizing it and then bringing it to life, making it what it is, uh, what it's going to be the final product. Um, and basically what the channel was for this first, I don't know, eight years, seven, eight years was kind of fetishizing the instruments, like the tools to create, which is so dumb. Like, like does a, a carpenter like fetishize the hammer? Like, is he like, Oh, what about this hammer? Does, is it like aerodynamic enough like i mean i i know that they probably do to a degree yeah um but like you could have the same hammer for 40 years and never even think about it you know exactly the same with with music gear like you know i mean i i'm in a room overflowing with music gear like there's like five guitars two basses a like rack of synths a rack of synths a eurorack and then like a billion plugins. And what do I use when I go to write a song? One guitar, an amp modeling plugin, Serum or some other VST, and Contact. Like that's probably 99% of, in like a microphone, audio interface and all that. But it's not like I'm using even like 5% of my entire studio. And it, a lot of people love the gear channels because they and then they they go and they buy everything from those gear channels and they end up with a lot of gear and um it just kind of makes things harder i've noticed like the more gear you have it doesn't really free you it kind of puts you in a little prison where now you can't decide what to use um and it's fun i'm not going to say having all this stuff isn't awesome because sometimes i'll just dive into it and use it extensively but it doesn't help you write better music at all right and that's like the most most important part of the whole thing it's like you can have the best gear in the world, your songs can still suck. You can do the best marketing in the world, but if your songs suck, it's going to go badly. <laughs> so it's like everything that before and after, it's like the song is the only thing that, it's not the only thing that matters, but it's the most important piece of the puzzle. And yeah, the song is the most important thing because something that I say in a lot of my materials is that songs are your currency in the music industry. And people tend to uh, misinterpret that especially in my little ad for the rift to song challenge um because what it means is that if you write great songs everything else matters a lot less um if you write a truly great song 
it can be recorded not great the mix and master can be okay like and people will still grab onto it will still connect with them um of course you want all of the other stuff having great gear can help you to make a better recording um help you play better the, the works right but the only thing that's going to connect with people is the great song and then what happens is that it opens doors for you throughout the music industry right like the kind of people that you want on your team on your side will suddenly go like oh you're worth working with because like they're looking at things like spotify numbers like music video views uh just your social media stuff but why would people um why would those numbers grow it's not going to be because you're i mean it could be because you're attractive or because you're <laughs> like a ripping guitar player or because you have a lot of cool gear or something but it's going to be pretty obvious to somebody who looks at that stuff if that you're like yeah that that, that it's that and not the the music you know yeah um so like booking agents labels managers etc those people are going to go like are you worth the amount of effort and money that we're going to put into you because it's a lot for them to take you on um and a huge financial risk are the, is it going to be worth it and the way that they're going to determine that is if you have the songs that are just going to carry you through tours and albums and like time, you know? Yeah. So like, I kind of feel like if you don't really have great fucking songs, everything else, all the effort that surrounds being in a band or being an artist of any kind is kind of a fucking waste of time. Like, God, you could put so you could spend so long and put so much effort, so much fighting with your bandmates about space in the in your van. Like, like, do you really want to put up with somebody fucking farting in the in your van while you're trying to sleep on the floor for fucking fire desire <laughs> lyric songs like sh just total shit that that nobody's going to care about. I look at, uh, have you seen the Anvil movie? I don't think so. The Anvil documentary. It is a fucking great movie. Uh -huh. It's about it, like, but the beginning is, it's like about how the dudes in the band Anvil, like, you know, after like playing this huge festival in like whatever, the early nineties or late eighties or something with all these huge bands. And it's like, all of these bands went on to, great success but anvil and then they show the guys from anvil and like one of them is working at a at a school like giving out one school lunches and shit and then you listen to the music of anvil and it's terrible like like it's like how they got their way onto this festival this huge festival like playing with like bon jovi and shit like i'll never know but the reason that they failed is because their music is awful. 
like truly fucking awful, poorly written garbage. And <laughs> if they if you like it, great. Like whatever. It doesn't fucking matter what I think. But the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. They were not good and the songs were bad and they fucking slaved over it in toiled in obscurity forever and ever. And like, all you need to do is have music that is worth listening to. That'll give you enough motivation to put up with all of that shit until you have some kind of success. So, yeah. Um, There's, um, so, you know, on my channel, I talk a lot about music marketing and also I've talked a little bit about, about how, you know, I, I talk to like 15 plus artists a week on my calls and stuff. And some of them tell me like, oh, do, you know, I, when I went to book this show, um, I, my rates were negotiated based off of like some arbitrary number. Or I was only booked in this show because I have a lot of monthly listeners. I only got this label thing because of my social media. You know, there's all these things. And I've talked to labels, too. And some of them like will say that that they factor in a lot of those metrics and those marketing -y things. But the thing that I don't bring up all the time, because it should be obvious, but it's not, is that a prerequisite for a show or a label, you know, work, any industry things or your marketing going well, is the music has to be pretty good, at least pretty good. It, like, you can have a song that's like, okay, and you can have it do pretty well, like, is if the marketing's awesome. But yeah. if you have a song that sucks, there's it's going to do really bad marketing. Like every no one's going to want to not song, but if all of your songs suck, <laughs> it's it's going to be a problem. And so a lot of the marketing stuff and a lot of the business things like the prerequisite to even play the game is to have good music. It's it's not even step one. It's like step zero. Yeah. Of before you even get there. And yeah. And then like you if you're paying for promotion right if you're paying for marketing like we do to to some extent um the effective the efficacy of it your cpms or uh whatever cost per view or whatever is going to be basically how much you're paying for the amount of marketing that you're actually getting yeah is going to be based on how good the presentation and how good the thing is because like think about receiving an ad as you're scrolling through social media if you're going to stop and watch a music video from a band how long are you going to watch it for it depends entirely on how good it is like if yeah. you click on it and the song is fucking awesome you'll probably watch and listen to the whole thing and that's every person that you're marketing to from the other side like yeah like you might you might you you can't really force you can't force people to like your music there will probably be people who will li like it and listen to it even if it's not great i mean anvil <laughs> still has a following you know yeah like and like good for them like also it's the whole like subjectivity it, thing you know like like yeah, some people no hate primus and some people yeah. really fucking love primus and um a lot of people would say that they think their music is trash and other people would say it's the thing that got them through their hardest times in life. So there is a little, there's a lot of subjectivity in it, but, um, at the end, hundred percent, there's, there's no objective right or wrong or good or bad at all in music. It doesn't exist, but you know, there's like, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and like, I guess it's it's always a problem when people double down on their like shitty music, and then and they go like, well. I don't understand why people aren't like why I don't have any listeners on Spotify. I put so much into this. I practice all the time. I, sh I fucking shred bro. And they're just making a lot of like really obvious mistakes that are just like sucking their entire. Um, I don't know. How do I put this? It's there's no objective right or wrong, but there the, the court of public opinion if you care about that, uh, will be the final judge. And once again, it'll come across in either what you're paying for promotion or just your organic views and all that and listens. So, um, yeah. like there are things that you can do to make thing make your music more broadly commercially appealing, which might not be what you want, but at the same time, then you don't, if you don't care about that, or you think that the quality of your music is going to carry it, then awesome you shouldn't listen to anything that i have to say <laughs> um and you you don't need either of us me or you <laughs> yeah um, yeah i mean the, so. there's a whole thing about making music for you and doing what you're going to do anyways it's just not what's gonna necessarily help you your songs actually get out there and get get into most more people's ear holes you know um like some of my music i just i make for fun it's entirely for me and then i'm like this doesn't fit into any of my music projects it doesn't make sense to release i love it but my people would hate it so i'm not going to release it it's just a song for me you know to have fun and make music and um yeah i mean that's incredibly fucking important and well first of all that's the only way that you get to a point where you're doing anything that's meaningful to you in the first place um like you shouldn't you shouldn't really have to water down what you're doing for a broader audience in a sense. Um, like people, people need real great art, like real, uh, like true messages of like, and highly intentional art that um, is, there's no formula for originality you know and people want that and you want that you want to have that um it's more about like packaging it in a certain way to make it um uh to deliver the message better like more effectively yeah. you know um in my opinion and i don't know like most of what i say is based on a lot of analysis and that can be very helpful at a certain point in the creative process. The initial um, sort of what I call sandboxing, um, when you're just trying a lot of different stuff to figure out what it is that you're actually going to do, the ideation, the, uh, the conception phase, all of this stuff is where the true originality comes. And um, it's like... Uh, things, for example, like, okay, once you've done this, once you've got something worth saying, like an original sound and feeling and like something that you feel is very important 
to get out into the world musically, lyrically, like everything, right? Um, you still have to get it into a 16 by nine rectangle to show to the world. And if you don't know like how to format a video for a portrait versus landscape, and you wind up with something that's like reboxed, you know, like three times and it's this big and you're trying and then you're like, here's my art, please. <laughs> Earth, give me thumbs up. And like and you uh, like the fucking audio is in mono and like, you know what I mean? It's shit like that that's going to hamstring you unnecessarily making dumbass decisions like that. Um it's sure it's not objectively right or wrong, but you've just watered down your message by being stupid. And that's not intention. That's not intentionality, you know, or, or like having a shitty mix and master, like yeah. you could be going for like a raw lo-fi thing. And if that's going to work for your sound, then that's what you should do. You shouldn't feel like you have to have this ultra modern hi-fi production if that's not your vibe but don't like try to do that and then try to do it yourself and do it shitty and then put it out and be like but i used neural plugins and like whatever hot new drum library like isn't this what i was supposed to do and it still sounds like hot fucking garbage right so I think those are the things that I'm trying to emphasize more than anything else in most of my educational materials, keeping, keeping people from making those kind of dumbass mistakes. Yeah. I, I remember one time I sent my, I sent my song in for my, my metal band into your mm -hmm. live stream, which you do every Friday, <laughs> all Friday. I think this was like one of your 12 hour ones. It was crazy. And, uh, um, I, th I don't think I sent it to you. I think Eric, sent because oh, yeah. he he did the mix on it mm -hmm. um so he sent it your way and i didn't realize that your music review streams weren't just like you listening and being like oh yay or boo you you kind of like riff on the song for like a good 10 15 minutes and kind of start playing along to it on guitar learning it by ear and kind of exploring some tweaks and and one of the interesting things i learned from that was you know in that song uh, it was kind of just like there was a lot of repeating parts and you were like i feel like before this this verse goes into this chorus this guitar could have like switched and done this little kind of little fill thing to jump into it and so like while you can't teach someone songwriting you can kind of teach someone songwriting in a way like i i wrote a song i can't teach somebody songwriting <laughs> it's it's a it's like a interesting thing like i a lot of people say you can't teach how to do it, but there's a lot of little things where like, it's hard to explain how do you come up with a guitar riff, but yeah. you can teach someone that if they have that initial spark, how they can flesh it out into a full idea. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of what you do. And like I watched, I binge watched a few videos earlier to kind of see what you've been covering recently. And, um, there's a lot you can learn in songwriting and it's, it's, uh, it's weird because in it, a way you can't you can't learn all of it, but in a way you can, <laughs> you know. It's so. So, I, like, I can't force someone to be creative. Like, I can't 
make you like have the desire to make something like you there the initial spark has to just be there um you have to be able to make something i think everyone can just about i haven't ever met somebody who doesn't have some kind of small bit of creativity yeah like even if you just ask someone like if you were like here is a sentence say the sentence now it's just sing it for me like let me all right the first sentence that i just saw was what i posted in the discord for this i'm hanging out live with my pal andrew southworth right now okay like um I think anybody could do something like that, even if yeah. it was fucking terrible. So that's what you're talking about. That that little seed, you could take that and turn it into a symphony, much less a song. Yeah. If you if you learn like those are the things that you learn how to do. Like, oh, what else does this need to take it from this little snippet to a full on thing? Like, yeah. um, now. Most of it is just doing it a lot yeah. and like constantly um, trying new things, figuring out what other people are doing, like like stealing moves, you know, like um, uh, I don't know, having like the third chorus be like way down at first, like starting out with like a really like having your final chorus start out really tiny and small and then exploding it to the being way bigger than the other two choruses, whatever stuff like that. Um, those aren't things that you need to do, but they're tricks and moves that you can try. And yeah. are they going to relate to your initial seed of an idea? Um, so like, I, I kind of feel like you, you probably would never watch any of my videos if you didn't already have something that you were starting with even if you're haven't been doing it very long you're not good at it maybe yet um there's kind of no reason to watch any of my like educational songwriting excuse me videos before you actually feel like you want to get better at it um most of what i'm going to be doing on the main channel from here on out is going to be more entertainment based mm. around songwriting and song creation and, and music stuff. The second channel is where the, uh, most of the educational stuff is going to go, by the way, I, I, yeah. I realized I didn't really off the bat, but um, like uh, I, up until now I've had like a bit of a mishmash of different kinds of stuff on the main channel. Um, but like so much of it has just been like songwriting, like tips right. and tricks and like little things like, why would you ever click on that? like how to get better at programming your drums or whatever, if you didn't already have some initial idea. So most of what I teach really is development of those ideas. Um, like even like we've got the free course. Okay, I literally have a 100% free uh, songwriting course called the Riff to Song Challenge in which I guide you through taking your one riff and turning it into one song in one week. And it's as straightforward step-by-step -step instructions as it could possibly be. Um, I mean, I made it in such a way that it's 
like I like to think that anyone can do it. And then I have yeah. a much more in-depth course. Um, but in the in the full course, basically what I'm doing is taking a very simple idea, a very simple um, initial um, seed of an idea, which I actually create in the moment by uh, it's basically procedurally generated. And then I just to prove that it, that you can make something cool out of um, almost anything. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I develop it throughout the course into a full on song with harmonies and different parts. And um, so like more than anything else, it's about the development, I think, because um, it's kind of like think about like a, the idea behind any given movie or TV show, right? Like the actual, the concept might be just this little thing. Um, a man gets sick, can't cover his health bills, decides to start cooking meth <laughs> to pay for the bills. Okay. Like that's yeah, a very small, yeah. shell, like a snippet of an idea. It could the easily have, have turned into a horrible show. If every step after that didn't go to plan, like, like it turned out to be one of the best shows ever. I mean, I think so. Yeah. But it could have easily yeah. been a dumpster fire. Just just kind of like how... Um, I don't know if you ever heard of the video game Anthem. But that sounded super cool. You're going to play as this like Iron Man-like super soldier. You can fly anywhere in this alien planet that was built by gods, but they didn't finish it. Like, it's a really cool thing. Huge dumpster yeah. fire. Like it's. <laughs> but it was one of those things where the idea was like really bitching. But the the execution just, just sucked. And music's... Lot like that now one thing i want to yeah. bring up because you just said it and i feel like i'll forget you have a separate channel that you're starting which i think is called trey xavier again right yeah and um that's going to be all your education it only stuff. has one video on it. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, yeah. are you doing that so that you can like do you feel like you've kind of hit a peak or saturated the kind of education -y audience and you're doing the entertainment one on the big channel so that you can go kind of grow that pool of people but then still having a separate channel so you can provide all that content for those people yeah it's um it's a kind of a problem of the modern age the way that we have to develop audiences on the internet um and i'm sort of a a great example of why you shouldn't just do whatever the fuck you want um, without any kind of strategy. Uh, because I didn't really, well, what I was doing on the channel in the beginning was not my choice, right? Because yeah. like I said earlier, I was an employee. I um, had to, I mean, I, I had a fair amount of freedom to be fair, but it was still within the sort of narrow confines of, you know, like um, just, yeah gear reviews gear stuff and so what happens when you do a lot of different things on the channel like i was doing like everything from interviews to reviews to tutorials and like comedy stuff shit posting like if there's no consistency your audience is completely varied and people come expecting a certain thing the thing that they subscribe for they found one video of yours and they were like oh it's gonna be a lot more of this 
they subscribe and then they get another video of yours served to them that has nothing to do with it right and then they don't watch it and then um it's very difficult to grow quickly because you, then your audience has to like all of the different things that you're doing and there isn't there's a, a hard cap on how much you can grow doing um like educational content um i yeah. think there are some people i mean you you could do very well with it if you were doing just that um and i have adhd very very <laughs> badly like um it's uh it, it's a superpower in a lot of ways but it um I, part of the problem is that i don't want to do just one thing um, and if I'd have been smart, I would have started the uh, second channel a lot earlier and had two different kinds of had my the my two basic different kinds of content, yeah. which is entertainment and education. And but it what it, it didn't occur to me that that was a problem for far 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 too long. So I'm um like one of my goals, one of my many goals is to get a million subscribers on the main channel. And I'm not gonna be able to do that if yeah. I, if every other video is a 30 minute tutorial and then the other ones are two minute comedy sketches, you know? So like from here out, I'm keeping it separate by just uh, for the pure practical purpose of keeping the audiences separate to a degree. Um, yeah. Which, it sucks like i don't want to have to do that like i don't I, I like i think a lot of people who follow me will watch both of those yeah um, but the the but youtube algorithm it, will definitively punish you for it it will punish the shit out of you and i hate that and i yeah. don't um i don't like having to do that but i'm going to play the game a bit and yeah. i think by being very open about it you know like um just making sure that people understand that um yeah. it, they'll 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 be they'll be understanding and like um you know i really i really like doing stupid shit fucking st the stupider the better <laughs> like if if it makes me laugh it's probably dumb as shit like the like i put up a video um this last week called guitar store karens and it was just oh, about yeah. like a guy who had never played guitar before wanting to get a manual with his guitar that he because he thought he would be able to learn how to play guitar from the manual that came with it just like you buy a blender and you can use the blender and like that to me was so fucking funny i had to do it and of course i got my my friend rudy on it who's like the funniest fucking guy i know um and like I love doing that as much or more than I like doing educational content. But like basically somebody, a fellow YouTuber was like, Oh, like, Oh, so your channel is like educational. Like you do have like an educational channel. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> is that what I do? No. Um, yeah. So I just want to be able to do broader stuff that lots of people will enjoy probably mostly musicians, but like people yeah. who like music. I mean, like, do you know the YouTube channel Rumi? 
Yeah, I had him on last week. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. I think I saw that thumbnail. Um, so, like, he, in the past, as you know, like, did a lot of singing stuff. And, like, and like nowadays, he's very much, like, entertainment content that would work super good on social media. And I don't know if he has social media. I'm sure he does great on TikTok. But he does all these, like, challenges, and he'll, like, react to things. And um, he has like millions of subscribers seven plus million and um i had someone on i don't know if you know patrick cc but he had a channel that used to be kind of like music industry music business like he might cover the behind the scenes of some rapper and and why they blew up but then he went to like more broader kind of like um documentary kind of content where he does like the a deep dive into some very like he did like um he did some kind of thing on Bam and he did something on Drake and Josh. And like, so it's the same kind of content, but he just made it like super broader and, and bigger. And he went from like a hundred thousand to like one point something million in a year just by that wow. switch. And like, like I think one year he was like, Oh, next year I'm going to be doing more documentary style stuff. And there was like a year after that, he 10 X in size. It was crazy. Oh, um, so that's a real thing. Yeah. And <laughs> Drop audio, Rumi confirmed for stream tomorrow. No. I wish. <laughs> I used to watch his channel all the time. Yeah, he's got some really good shit. Um, he's uh, he's actually not in town right now. Um, hmm. But he, yeah. So, like, I love so much of his content. Um, he, he did a... Uh, so, when I first met him at NAMM this year... He was doing, um, he had just done a string of like songwriting challenge videos that were fucking gold. I, I was like, I had no idea who he was when I met him. No clue. My, uh, Mary Spender introduced us, um, at NAM, and we, you know, uh, we're like, oh, we like live pretty close. Let's hang out. Um, and then I went and watched some of his stuff and I was like, fuck, these are good. He like writes songs with his friends. Like they do these like challenges and it was like, a little bit of process like a little bit of the the process they would talk about like even like some of the the plugins they used in the sounds and it was super snappy really funny somebody would judge the the songs and they would in like it was to me that was like peak broad songwriting content um and yeah. i took a lot of inspiration from that um really super well done and like it was funny and like you learned some stuff super great um but he like yeah he kind of changed a lot of what he did over the course of his channel yeah he used to do like like you like, do the multiple uh, voices things a lot like singing the yeah. song in seven style or maybe not that but one man yeah, 40 you know, voices yeah. and yeah did a lot of like those kinds of impressions and obviously he can do that because he's an amazing singer yeah he is um, he's genuinely a really talented vocalist um, so that that yeah. definitely helps but um but he um but like i uh he also he cultivated a, a broad audience um by doing that and he continued doing broad music content that just about anybody could could watch and enjoy you know um yeah. whereas i have been doing super specific niche things that was very 
very in-depth and very specific, which is cool because, you know, like, I it I always felt like I was doing things that the world needed, um, but it was so niche that it has prevented my growth, right. my large-scale growth. Um, and part of it was just also, like, doing stuff that is completely different and all over the place. And I, I would say, I never took my own advice that other people, that I would tell other people like, Hey, can you give some advice for a small starting out YouTubers? And I'm like, yeah, do one thing and do it over and over again until you are dead. Like, <laughs> don't, don't like you can hit a point where you can branch out a bit, but it is not like it's not easy to do and like it can cause major problems with yeah with your channel and your audience and you have to be thinking about that like you want to get to a place where what you can where you can do whatever the fuck you want but that's very hard to get to um and maintain a constant audience and yeah. it's a little corny to do the same thing over and over again it's not really what i'm going to be doing like i'm going to do a lot of comedy skits and uh songwriting challenges that are like fun like the yeah it's more so like the, the general category of content yeah. is like this channel is entertainment this channel is educational you might have your educational content be super entertaining and your entertainment content might have a lot of education but it's like the focus is is separate and um now when it comes to giving advice to people who want to grow their channel doing picking a thing that you're really good at portraying that really well and then doing it forever um that's kind of how every channel has to start you kind of just have to put your head down and just bang out a video a week for like several years and you'll eventually grow a channel but there's a lot of other things as you've probably learned over the years like what metrics are most important for people to focus at what's the most important part of a video you know those kind of things like what, what, what would you tell people to focus on if they wanted to be the next Trey Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, you do not want to be the next Trey Xavier. Uh, what you want to be is the best version of yourself. And the um, once again, in, in a way, it's kind of like that uh, songwriting thing I was talking about. Like, your best you, you do have to package it in a certain way. Um, but... Um, CTR click through rate is something that I ignored for a very long time. So that's like the content has to be great in the same way that you have to have a great song to start with. Um, but if you don't package it correctly, no one will even see it to know or hear it to know how great it is. So that the packaging part of it is good editing um which includes like um a lot of exciting um transitions and and zooms and sound effects and stuff like um which seem like dumb tricks but like they it just it just makes it more fun to watch yeah um and your titles and thumbnails, which the only thing that matters is getting attention and not lying 
whole hog to your audience. Like you, to an extent, like you're not lying to them, but you're, it's a, a sensationalizing. Yeah. Right? Um, and I still don't even really feel like I'm that good at it. But if you study the, like the really great YouTubers, um, they're taking advantage of, um, how do I put this? They're taking advantage of some psychological facets of how people's brains work and um, making their the title and thumbnail in such a way that you like, you have to click on it to find out what it, the, the further story behind what it says and what you can see. Um, like I said, I don't really feel like I'm that good at it, but those are very important things. And the click-through rate um, is where you're going to see the how many people are opening the door to your to your content um, yeah. at all. And mine are, mine are bad, man. My <laughs> click-through rates are fucking bad. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I try, I try, I try well, what, so hard. What are your click-through rates, if you don't mind sharing? I mean, they're like, at best, in the last few weeks, it's been like 8%. I think like that's at good. Best, but mostly it's more like 5, um, okay. if I'm lucky. So um, it has a lot. I mean, it's there's so many things that factor into that. And yeah. it's kind of a whole study on its own. But like... I mean, I guess um, just for comparison's sake, for everyone wondering, my click-through rate, the at least in the last 28 days for my whole channel, is 5.8. So it sounds yeah. like we're roughly... But, I mean, there's there's one... There was, like, a period of time where it was 8.7. Last week, it was 4.6. So it goes up and down, but... Um, yeah. So we're getting about uh, the same. You're probably doing a little bit better. But um, what have you noticed works best like like let's say out of the the videos that have most published and most recently published you have who hurt who hurt you and like for, for any of you who want to play along you know open up another tab or when this video goes live as a final video open up a new tab look at trey's channel i'm starting at the who hurt you video and we're going to do a do a few of these so there's who hurt you where you have a a, a stupid face <laughs> with the chef hat and um, I can actually I'll put this on the screen too, so just baked into the video. I'm blocking your face right now, by the way. Um, I mean, you can see my face six times <laughs> in this. Uh... So yeah, you... there's who hurt you. There's overrated, no gong for you, and then excuse me, suffering here. Like I would guess the click through rate and hear me was not very good, and I would guess that excuse me, guitar store Karens, the click through rate was phenomenal. Um, I would think overrated didn't have as good of a click-through rate, but it, then again, um, maybe the title made up for it. So, like, those are my kind of guesses. Like, I think Who Hurt You, Excuse Me, would be the best out of those six. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let me take a look here. Um, where do I find the click-through? Okay, yeah. So the Excuse Me one uh, is... Uh, is eight percent currently like it yeah basically usually it starts out very high and then drops over time i think it actually started out at very high something like 14 
It's probably because your your subscribers seeing it initially. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, uh, okay, let's come on. Um, a lot of people really liked the "Who Hurt You" one. I mean, I, I also think it's kind of funny because the way that my face was squished, I kind of looked like a Who from Whoville, you know, like. Uh, yeah, you know. yeah, and it's Christmas time. <laughs> Wait, so who you um, said Guitar Store Karen's was eight? Who hurt you was six. No, right now it's three point six percent. Oh, so that one's actually has a pretty bad click through. <laughs> bad. It was much better. It was more like six percent when it started out, but you know, it over time, like if you haven't been keeping up with my contest and you just saw that, you would have no fucking idea what was going on. That's true. I I looked at it. And I, it says I actively hate this song, but it, you really have no idea what the video is going to be out and why you should watch it. Whereas Guitar Store Karens, you look at the, excuse me, holding the guitar by the strings. It's like, okay, this is a comedy video. And then you look at the length and it's like, okay, it's probably a skit. Like you can kind of tell. And then you want to see like Guitar Store Karens, like it really pulls you in. Um, so, you yeah. know, the, the reason why I kind of wanted to go through that is because um, I think the moral of the story is... When you have your thumbnail and title, to kind of figure out how to make a good one, you have to, like, one, give a person a compelling reason to click. And, and usually that involves, like, a story in a way. Like, they need to look at those two pieces of information and kind of think about, like, what the video is. Like, why would they watch this video? But then there has to be enough information lacking where they have to watch the video to get an answer. <laughs> It's called the, uh, like the information gap or something. I can't remember. There's a phrase. There's a term for it. Um, curiosity gap. Yeah. Um, because if you give them the entire story in the title and the thumbnail to where they don't even need to click on it to know basically what's going to be in there, then they won't. But you just you ideally want to create. Uh, a situation where they in order to fill the, the the only way to fill that curiosity gap is to click on it um and ideally watch watched, the whole video too like yeah in lot watch the whole video and but by the time they've clicked on it um it's too late for you to do anything about that you have to have yeah. um done that with your editing um there i mean there's a lot of ways that you can do that uh to make it more interesting, like and exciting, and keep their interest the whole time, and then so that's the next most important thing, which is watch time. Um, yeah, watch time and uh, uh, audience retention. Right. So, like, how long people stick around for? Now, these um, and yeah, watch time and audience retention. So you actually get a little graph for how like you know um how long people stick around for on average and the thing that these these contest reaction videos have going for them even though the click-through rate is kind of abysmal is watch time like this who hurt you one that has a three percent click-through rate has a 13 minute average duration and a 44 percent percentage viewed which isn't as good as the guitar store Karen's one, which has yeah. 
um, in terms of actual uh, percentage. But that video is only two, most two people minutes watch, long. Right. Most people watch almost the whole thing. Like it's, well, yeah, it's like it's got a, almost a 70% view rate, which is phenomenal. Okay. Like that's crazy. But that's only an average dur duration of a minute and a half because it's only a minute and a half long. Yeah. So people sit down with some fucking popcorn to watch my reaction videos because they're 30 minutes long. Yeah. Um, and that's like half, you know, half the, uh, it's a tricky uh, thing, thing being in the education kind of category, because I feel like my videos are most useful, you know, cause I'm, I'm, maybe I'm teaching someone how to use Facebook ads to promote their song on Spotify, whatever it is. The most useful iteration of that would to have the title be Facebook ads for Spotify, X amount of streams and X amount of time for X amount of money. The thumbnail shows a graph. The video starts yep. off. I, I got this for this by doing this. And then I teach the whole thing. Like that would be the most useful. But what I found just by like, I've done a ton of th that exact category of videos because every song I've released, it can be, it's going to be completely different. And so, like, one thing that I've been thinking of doing is essentially just flipping... I've already kind of stopped doing the title thing, like Facebook ads for music, blah, 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 and making the the title and thumbnail a lot more, like, for lack of a better word, clickbaity. You know, 42,000 Spotify stream Facebook conversion campaign. Like, even that, it's probably more I could... a lot more I could do. But then, like, instead of giving the results like right up front by just hit that at the end and the problem is i hate that so much i hate when a, it gets flipped because then you skip through and there's like this really weird balance i if you have an education channel where like you have to kind of tell them why they should watch and learn but if you tell them why they should watch and learn a lot of people aren't going to sit and watch and learn so <laughs> It's a very frustrating kind of balance, which the entertainment stuff, I don't think, has that problem. Yeah. Yeah, it does not. <laughs> um, you know, I like, I can't, like, the entertainment videos for me are generally much less effort to make and a higher return on view count. Um, and... I kind of like making them better to an extent. I mean, the the reaction videos, these long reaction videos are kind of both. Um, yeah. Like, they're reaction videos to contest entries. I have to listen to these entries anyways to determine the winners for the contest. Um, and it's like, I could sit there and listen to them by myself. <laughs> or you could watch me hearing them and... And Trey can... Trey can take that content all the way to the bank. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, so that's like kind of straddling a weird thing. And yeah. if you, uh, but um, the, yeah, the entertainment thing, like a two minute video um, doesn't have much overall watch time. I can't put a mid roll ad in it, you know? So like, um, I have to have higher views on it to make any money, especially if it's not a sponsored video, which right. so far almost none of them are. Like, um, I'd like to get to the point where I can do stuff like um, 
Daniel Thrasher, where he does ads in the video that are so funny that you fucking want to watch him. He calls it the skit after the skit. Um, and that to me is, I think he's crushing it. Like <laughs> of all the people who do that kind of sketch comedy, musical based stuff, yeah. I think he's got the coolest format. Um, I mean, Rudy has also done that a lot in the past. Um, so by the way, we got uh, we got Eric Simey in the house. I've never actually learned if I've said his last name correctly. I always I always <laughs> said it wrong, but I stuck with it. it I always say Zaimi. Um Yeah. What's up, Eric? Glad you're glad you're here. I don't know if you're still here, but um, <laughs> our mutual uh, acquaintance. Um, yeah. Yeah. He uh, he introduced us. Yeah. He's the reason we're here right now. He is. By the, the way, if, if anyone right is, uh, uh, sorry, could you say that again? I was talking over you. <laughs> could you say that again? You interrupted. Me. No, I said he's the reason <laughs> that I'm here right now when I could be playing God of War. Right. Um, I'm, I'm very sorry to interrupt your God of War time. Um, but <laughs> if anyone is interested, um, Eric, awesome dude, helps me out with my mixes for my band Ever Waking Moment. And by helping out, I mean makes them amazing. Um, he has a channel called Audio Bros Podcast. So look it up. They do streams where you can, like, they have a Discord. You submit your music. They'll, like, get your... If you have a really crappy mix and master, he'll do it on stream. Make it sound good. It's a cool stream. But um, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the correct pronunciation. Simey. Nice. Okay. Yeah, you got it right. I fucked it up. But, but with confidence with confidence that's all that matters if you say the wrong thing with confidence it's actually correct you you have to do it a certain number of times and yeah. just go whole hog in with it and then eventually people will be like um i'm actually from the trey xavier school of pronunciation on that one i i i think same <laughs> is really i mean technically i think uh yeah that's like fucked up but actually so true think about this think about playing a minor third on top of a dominant seventh chord that has a major third in it okay it's gonna sound bad you want to think you want to <laughs> say that it's gonna sound bad but that's the whole that's the sound of the blues they were just like no nah, man we're gonna play this minor third and you're like no but the the this chord has a major third in it you can't just and they're like and you're like no it's wrong and then like years later the blues exist because they were just they just fucking hammered it over and over and over and over again and i mean it's not just that right but <laughs> that's the that's how something becomes a thing you just yeah repetition, or repetition, dillinger repetition, escape plan like if you listen to their first album it's just like the most obnoxious chords and strumming complicated strumming like you the first time you hear it you're like this i hate this so much you know and then just through listening to it again and again you're like oh this is like really grooving you know this is like i really like the the dissonance and like the the pain in like the sound like it's kind of like hot sauce like you first hear like oh my mouth's on fire but then you kind of grow to like the burn and i think you know for dillinger escape plan like they're one of my favorite bands of all time and the first time i heard them though was that a I saw them live. They were opening for another band, and I was like, I hate this. This is awful. And then now I wish they were still a band writing music. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and like there are certain things that shouldn't work and then the only thing that makes them work is just either doing it over and over again or hearing it over and over and over again. And then so like that's what but having the confidence to do something like that just being like no, this is what we're doing. It's going to be this. <laughs> feels it feels kind of weird even to me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So, if everyone could start getting some uh really awesome questions in the chat, I'm going to prompt Trey with a interesting question and then we're going to kind of cut the video and then do Q&A for a little while. But my question for you Trey is, you have Gear Gods, which was originally part of the whole thing where Metal Injection was. And there's this whole, like, big band submitting music and getting blog coverage and getting covered in social media. And it's a whole, like, machine. Um, how does that that kind of enterprise work? Where, like, how does the a band or a label approach a site like, um, well, just a blog that covers that stuff? And, like, I've heard of a lot of label fuckery and a lot of um, payola that occurs. Um, what's it like on the other side? <laughs> Great question. Well, um, I would... Um, okay. Right, so I'll tell you from my side. So, of course, for the longest time, I would just write whatever my bosses assigned me right because right. so much of what i was doing was writing for the website for a very long time um nowadays i get to i'm on the because it's all mine i get to decide what goes on there i'm curating what's going to be on the site okay but um i'm having to uh, and the reason that we do these is to get clicks on the site, right? And the site right. generates money by having banner ads. Okay, so it's a so you're you're essentially you're covering an a thing, and I guess in the case for music, you're covering an artist or a song or a tour or whatever it is because you want their fans to come and generate money for the website. Right? Yeah. Um, and I use that money to pay the writer that I have that who writes the stuff on the site. Now, that's just one, it's just one aspect of what is on the site. We do, um, we do a lot of just general gear coverage, like gear news. You know, yeah. if a company puts out a new pedal, we'll have a little write up on it with some information and a link to where you can get it. And like, we're just putting it in front of people's faces. And then, yeah most of what we're doing for bands is premiering playthroughs um or gear things um so for example today we had um a write-up for um a play a dual playthrough two, two separate playthroughs for the band ingested on uh it's a metal blade band okay mm -hmm. like so the way that i uh 
knew that like so there it's an exclusive premiere which means if you want to hear those today you have to go through us so the band will hopefully share our link to the um to the the post on the website okay it's got a um you know it's got a list of all the gear that they're using um it's got a little uh it's got the videos embedded in there and yeah, and I'll, I'll put that on this the screen real quick so people can. Uh, yeah, I'm over here scrolling through. It, but see what we're see. talking uh, about. Yeah, so it's watch ingested guitar syndrome rip through all I've lost. So <laughs> this band ingested is getting some some extra little free promotion from my channel now. You're yeah. gonna have to go back and uh, send them a bill. <laughs> um, and then you get your ad. So these are your your Google or I'm guessing yeah, I actually, surgery. I actually those stupid ads underneath there i've been trying I, to get rid I of them. Hate the style of ad as well but I, you know um, but if you uh so if you look go over to the left and the right and the top there should be i don't know why they're not showing up on mine right now i uh the website is uh undergoing a little bit of a behind the scenes overhaul yeah um, but like you're, you're premiering videos that are playthroughs and you're showing off their gear and so, like, how did these yeah. artists, like, how did you decide you were going to write this article and cover this so, band? Did they approach you? Yeah. So their publicist gets in touch with me and says, hey, we've created this piece of content. Uh, would you like to premiere it for us? Um, and so we're kind of the main outlet for premiering playthroughs. Um, so if bands shoot playthroughs, um, they, the, probably the place <laughs> that they're going to try to get it premiered on is here, is on Gear Gods, because we're known for it. We do them a lot, and we've got the right audience, which is musicians, for metal musicians, is our primary audience. So, um, they, their publicist gets at me and says, like, hey, we've got this thing. Do you want it? Like, do you want to uh, have it as an exclusive? And um, I have to decide if I think that the band is um, something that our audience will like, or if it's something that I think that they should watch, like something yeah. that, you know, like uh, that they would like something they need. Yeah. Basically. So like if like, for example, publicist reaches out we got this playthrough video of john petrucci playing the craziest solo he's ever done from their upcoming album it's like oh my god yeah like let's talk about this and premiere it um and like if spirit box who's kind of popping right now um comes to you but if a band comes to you and there may be like there's a balance of technicality and not technicality but impressiveness in the video and then famousness i guess or popularity where if this really talented fantastic video comes you might not cover it if there's no it's not going to draw any attention but if it's like really exceptional it might overcome the lack of popularity and there's you kind of have to weigh those pros and cons yeah yeah and that's why it's um curating because like it it can't have none of that it might have a lot of one or the other. We've definitely done premieres of stuff that like just is not really that interesting to watch or like I don't think it's really that interesting to watch 
but it's a very popular band, so people yeah. want to see it. Um, and I don't think that I should, like, totally gatekeep something like that. Like, if it's a popular band and people want to see it, even if it's just a lot of fucking, bow, 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 you know, a lot of fucking O's and nothingness, um, sometimes I'll, I'll do it, um, just to get, you know, to get eyeballs on it. Like, yeah. but if I do, you know, if you got to it's a balance. Cause if you do too much of that shit, like you can, you'll burn out the people will be like, Oh, what am I doing here? Why did you put yeah. this in front of me? stupid? Um, and I've done, I've also on the flip side done stuff for, um, they'll send something that is like shitty quality, like bad, like badly filmed, the sound quality is not that great, but the whatever it is is phenomenal, and it's like an unheard of band. And I'm like, yeah, like like that's fucking yeah. cool. Like, um, now, ideally, I want a good quality piece of content, like good video and good audio, um, from a band who I know people will care about and click on to watch. Um, and it'll be coming from a trusted source. So the publicist or person that is my point of contact is somebody that I've hopefully have worked with already. Um, these days I don't have a lot of time to be screening tons of stuff. So it's nice to have publicists getting in contact with me and being like, Hey, this cool, like, this is a cool thing. Um, please take it yeah. into consideration like see if it's um it's interesting it's, that a lot of bands see getting covered on a blog to be kind of like a tool that can promote their band but in reality and most of the time it's the blogs are using the band to grow their ad revenue <laughs> and like yeah, it's, it's not it's, like the blog is giving it is like i mean there's obviously some people who regularly check out the blog will check out a new band but most of it is kind of the other way around where like you're relying on the, the band or the gear company or whatever to bring people to your blog. Yeah. It's like best case scenario. It's a, uh, it's mutually beneficial for both of those things. Um, now, uh, of course a bigger blog is going to want to cover you if you will bring in clicks. Um, yeah. And you might think like, oh, like that's dumb. They, how can, like, how can you gain any traction? But you have to look at it from their point of view. Like, why would they yeah. cover you if nobody's going to click on it? Why would they pay a writer to take the time out of their day to write up a post that could be about Slipknot that a, like that a hundred thousand people are going to click on instead of. 50 people who are going to click on your thing. And yeah. I experienced this exact problem. I had the best publicist in the business pitching my band for our new music video, which is called Scream. Andrew will be kind enough to put the link in the description or on the end screen. Yeah, um, yeah. In the final video, I'll, like, I'll link it. Um, it it's in, in Virtue also. So in if you want to check it out now. Scream is the song. Um, like, we, we couldn't get an outlet to... to premiere the music video like at first so we got one um with a smaller blog called new noise and like 
you know, not a lot of people clicked on it because nobody knows who my band is. And that's fine. I was expecting that. Um, yeah. I was hoping to like, maybe. I've, I've heard that um, some of the times a blog will like, if it's, if it's coming from a label or a popular band, they're, they're covering it for free, but I've heard plenty of situations where that same blog, if it's, they, they look at how many clicks they're probably going to get from this. And if it's like almost nothing, they'll actually just straight up like charge them a fee to cover it <laughs> and it happens all behind the scenes like they'll they'll hire a publicist a pr company and the publicist might like end up kind of paying the, the platform to cover it because they know that like if they cover this instead of something else they're not going to make any money off of it yeah um, um i haven't actually experienced that but honestly it makes perfect sense like yeah. you might think of it like it's payola like on the radio but as far as i know there are no laws against it uh yeah but like think about this like publicists so assuming that you're not going directly to the outlet um a pu you're paying a publicist because they know people like me right so the publicist is making money off of it it's already kind of payola in the sense, in a sense. Um, why should the publicist be making money, but the outlet isn't? I mean, the outlet yeah. can just say no. They can just be like, nah. But is it really any different from paying, for example, Facebook to put to push your thing in front of somebody, like your music right. video or whatever? Like, it's an ad. You're paying for advertisement the same as... Uh, like Jack Daniels will pay for an uh, for a banner ad on Metal Injection or yeah, it's, or, just, it's uh, essentially uh, the same or whatever same thing. Um, which you can also completely do. You can go to the Blast Beat Network and be like, I want to buy um, X number of impressions of banner ads, and you can just pay them for advertising. I find that banner ads don't really work uh, yeah. all of that super well. Um, for bands, especially if they're unknown. It works if you're trying to advertise a tour for a big band and you can put it in front of people that, uh, right. like, oh, shit, I didn't know that Tool was going on tour. Fuck, I'm going to buy it. I bought a, t uh, a concert ticket for a show in October of next year because Facebook was like, hey, the Postal Service is going on tour. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. And I was yeah. like, take my money. Like, and if I hadn't been shown that, I wouldn't I wouldn't have even known that it existed. But um, like editorial stuff like a premiere, like I don't like I said, I've heard of this happening. I haven't actually actively experienced it or had to do it. Um, ideally, you don't want to have to do that. I think if there's an opportunity and it is legal which you're going to have to check on for me because i'm I pretty sure like payola is technically legal on any platform it's just like on spotify it's a it's against their terms and conditions like like the, the platforms like if it's a private company it's blocked like on spotify you can't pay someone to get on their playlist like that's against the right. terms and service but it's right. not illegal it's not you're not breaking a law at least in the united states maybe it's yeah so i don't know how it works for uh like specifically for uh like blogs but yeah. um i think it'd be the uh, same as a sponsored i mean like on youtube i accept like, money from like distro kid 
to do a sponsored video every month. I mean, I guess the difference is I have to declare that it's sponsored, it. but so um, if so, like sometimes on the website, I'll do sponsored content same way I do on YouTube. And there's a little disclosure that goes mm. that goes. Um, so I think that would probably cover your ass, but that would be up to the um, to the outlet. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, so I, I don't know. It's um, yeah, I don't like I think, honestly, if you have the opportunity and you think it's worth it. It could easily be worth it to pay that kind of money like you should you should just do it like um, it. I think that your money probably would be better spent elsewhere. Yeah. Like uh, you could take that same money. So like we, t we did a premiere on a smaller website. Okay. And then we put some money into um, boosting the post to get that in front of people. And that's a thing that you can do. Um, or you could just take that same money and put it into Facebook advertising, YouTube ads, yeah. Um, and I think probably see a much better return. One of the things is like, if you're trying to get views on a YouTube video, Facebook will absolutely crush all of your reach. If you're trying to advertise the yeah. direct YouTube link, if the, if the video is embedded in a post and you're pushing that, it won't, it won't crush that reach. And that's a yeah. lot of why you want to do a premiere with a site. Now, if you have a direct, if you have um, a direct upload to Facebook, like a clip of your music video, and then you're trying to get people to the music video or to the, your Spotify page or whatever, that works. That's what we've been doing, obviously. Um, I say yeah. obviously, it's obvious to you because you're helping us. <laughs> but um, the people watching at home, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I guess if any if any of you are watching and have never heard of me before, if you want to know how to promote your music, learn about Facebook ads and YouTube ads. That's what I do. I mean, it's part of what I do. So feel free to subscribe and, and hang around. Um, we get some questions from people, though. Oh, yeah. And so I think we'll go into the Q&A portion of stuff, which is kind of going to end this little stream we got going on. Um. And by the way, I gotta say, all of all of the Trey Xavier people who are hanging out, I can clearly tell who like that they came from you because of how hilarious they've been in the chat the whole time. <laughs> I've been just kind of casually looking over and like, you know, question for Trey: If you could nuke any state, which would it be and why? And then Resolution <laughs> says California. He's not gonna like that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't like that because uh, that would be suicide. Because um, that's where I live. <laughs> uh, uh actually though well the worst state is uh is indiana i wouldn't nuke it because i i have so many friends who live there now but it is awful <laughs> um yeah i don't know i guess i would nuke the one with the lowest population density <laughs> it's a good answer <laughs> someone else and i can't find it i just remember seeing it said what are you getting me for christmas I am getting you a probably a discount on my songwriting course. Oh, link in the not in the description, but um, go to Trey Xavier YouTube channel. I'm sure it's in those descriptions. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll have I'll it in the a, final final video. Um, yeah, I'll give you a link. Um, but yeah, that'll. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that there will be a discount for Christmas around the holidays. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so that's what I got you. And there's a free, a completely free course called the Rift a Song Challenge, which you're gonna you're gonna have to have so many links for me. I'm just gonna. You should um, just make a link tree just for, just for this, this this final video. I'll drop the the link to the Rift a Song Challenge in the chat in case anyone wants to check it out. I did sign up for it, and it's it's cool. It's delivered entirely via email. It's super yep. detailed, but also not overwhelming at all. So it's, it's uh, free too. So you know, it's like if you hate I it, mean, you it. just unsubscribe. <laughs> You know, in that in that video, I talk about the manual, like in the comedy video, like the the manual. This is as close to the manual for your writing your first song as it's gonna get. I wanted yeah. to make it so any fucking idiot, including myself, <laughs> could do it. Like, um, if you've never written a song before and you play the guitar, you should definitely do it, and it will cost you zero dollars. So, um, but yeah. I didn't, uh, man. Drop Audio so says, why are lyric videos your favorite? <laughs> lyric videos are my favorite because for some goddamn reason, people who make lyric videos always have cringy fucking lyrics. I don't know. It's like it feels like a lack of self-awareness to me. Like, why? It's like they're like, well, I made a song, I recorded it, and I see that people make lyric videos. I guess people like lyric videos, and then they um, pay somebody to make a lyric video. There's always at least one spelling error every time, one hundred percent of the time. Um, and. I don't know if it's just that maybe all of these songs have terrible, cringy lyrics. It's just that then when it's like, here they are, <laughs> here, have them, look at all of them. You can read them along with it. Um, then all of a sudden you're just aware yeah. of them. I really don't know. Um, but it's, God, it's like, if you're going to make a lyric video, make sure that your lyrics don't fucking suck. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just... for my I have lyric videos made for all my stuff because they're essentially the most affordable and popular thing you can they kind of are a nice combination where like visualizers you can get made for dirt cheap, but visualizers suck. <laughs> I mean I at least in most genres. Some genres really like them, but um music videos are hella expensive. The you the video for Scream, like I'm sure that costs thousands of dollars to make. And hundreds yeah. of hours, maybe not hundreds of hours, but a lot of hours. And, um, yeah. you know, so lyric videos, like, they're kind of in the middle where they're they're pretty affordable. They can be done fast. And a lot of people like them. And so I do them every time. I don't really like watching lyric videos of bands. Mm -hmm. But what you got to consider is not necessarily what you like, but what, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Um, so if your lyrics aren't stupid, I, I think, uh, honestly, I think if, even if your lyrics are stupid, maybe you should do one anyways, because 
Would you make a lyric video for Scream? Does Scream meet the lyrical criteria to have a lyric video? Well, I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm very biased. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, like exactly like who's to decide? Yeah. It's not my job to decide if your lyrics are cringy or not. Like I think a lot of them are and that sucks. But um, you have to consider your audience yeah. because most people are not as incredibly fucking critical as I am. So, right. um, you know, like, don't let me gatekeep you from making a lyric video. I very well may make one. Um, uh, Charles Wagner asked if should if people should do more music videos in the classic MTV sense or more performance playthroughs. I personally think that I think that playthroughs can be worth doing, but remember that you are making those for the small portion of your audience who are musicians. That's not a substitute for. A, I would say un a unless it's a vocal playthrough, I think people will gladly watch a singer yeah, perform a song even if they're not a musician, but like no one's going to watch guitar drums um, unless you're like Danny Carey, then the average person will watch Danny Carey play. But yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, it's weird. Like, uh, as a musician, you wind up watching a lot of playthrough videos. Yeah. Um, I, I actually will mostly watch drummers. Um, I love watching drummer playthrough videos for awesome drummers especially death metal drummers um like uh john longstreth i fucking i'll watch that guy play for hours but um you don't want musicians for your audience you don't you you don't as a band that's incredibly limited yeah it's a very very small sliver of the uh people that you could have and like if you were making your music and your content for them um they're the most critical the um the least they're they're going to enjoy themselves the least because all they're doing is comparing you to themselves and to other musicians and they spend the least amount of money for the <laughs> most part um except on things like tabs right. lessons and stuff like that which can be very lucrative but you um if you're what you're trying to do is be successful as an artist narrative music videos are your um uh your epk basically like your uh your digital press kit like yeah. if i want to know about a band i will go and watch one of their music videos i've never in like all nine whatever eight nine years of doing this have i opened an electronic press kit of any kind for a band you get all of the information that you need to know about a band by watching their music video. You get their artistic vision. You figure out what they look like, like who's in, how many people are in the band, what, yeah. you know what I mean? And a really well done music it's video. Really point. Really worth it. Um, like I, I look back at like the time I spent <laughs> making an EPK and I'm just like, Ugh. Yeah, I I, th I think there's a it's probably a lot of genre differences. Like for an EDM musician, for example, like they don't play anything, and so a, a music video it's it's completely like the, uh, in the electronic music fans are used to not seeing the person behind the scenes, and so I think it's probably different. But that that is a really good point that if someone has a great music video, you can learn a lot about them because you see not only the you, you not only hear the song but you see like the branding and the artistic vision. And so yeah. it does tell you a lot. 
which makes me want to go actually go make some real music videos. <laughs> well, it's it's actually one of my favorite parts of the process. I love music videos so much. Um, and making them, um, to me, is the final form of the song. So for me, I love being able to reveal more of the story with the visual. Like the Scream video tells a very important part of the story of the um, concepts album that it's a part of, okay? Um, like if you've seen our old music video for Purgatory, you may have noticed that it's the same actor um, playing this Ooh. Sisyphus character. Um, and Scream actually uh, chronologically comes before Purgatory in the, um, in the story of the album. And like, it's possible that people will watch them and not really get that. At a certain point, I'm hoping that it'll all come together um in in a series of music videos that will give you a better idea i might ha still have to explain it in a way but like um even if it's not like very explicit step-by-step -step story that you understand completely you get the you get the feeling that i'm trying to imbue of like yeah. uh you know awakening and escape in scream like like uh, uh um you know he's um the catalyst who is the the female character in the video um like basically how do i say this incepting like uh, it, like uh con convincing him that it's his time to awaken and escape from um his his chains and then like he's you know he goes through this process of like screaming to just like uh uh to have this like cathartic release from his own self-imposed imprisonment and just be like, okay, I've had fucking enough of this. I've been punished long enough and awakening and then leaving at the, at the end of the video. Okay. Like yeah, when the, when the, the white, the white door kind of thing, and there's like the yeah. lady who like points him over to it. Yeah. Um, and so, and that character, the catalyst that the, the woman who in the, in the scream is played by my friend Zell in the in purgatory she's that little girl who like takes his laund laundry stuff and uh it's the same character played by different people yeah um so jeffling guitar you, says yeah. okay george lucas <laughs> yeah and like i you can't you can't get that out of a guitar playthrough yeah, yeah. also like this i we might do a playthrough for scream it's not very interesting on guitar like it's like i like the riff for the song and i like the guitar parts but there's nothing about it that's technical or very interesting um so whatever <laughs> um but to me this is like the pure art portion of it so having a narrative music video to me is incredibly important for connecting with people which is the reason that yeah. we do this shit you know like like getting the story across, showing them this thing. Like it's about, it's at the core of it, the whole thing is about self-forgiveness and moving forward with your life. Um, and I, that's a, the whole music video thing, I've, I've never heard it really explained that way, but it, um, it's a really good point, which actually I might actually go and make sure I do more music videos next year because of that. Because it's, I think it's very important in establishing 
the aesthetic for your band, which is super yeah. important. Um, also, an incredibly hard thing to do is figuring hard. out the aesthetic yeah. of your music project is it's hard. But I think once once you have that, a music video is a it makes sense that it would be a really good way to convey that imagery. Yeah, to me. So if you have a video and you're scoring it like a, like a movie or a TV show or whatever, and you're scoring it with music, making a music video is that in reverse. You're right. scoring the sound with a visual. Um, and of course, Scream was three separate shoots. Okay, there's the the band performance part. There's the narrative part with the um, with the characters, the actors, and then there was one because we just didn't get enough performance footage, and I also wanted a separate um, like something that was part of both the narrative and the performance, and that's when I'm wearing the all white and against mm. the white background. It was very, <laughs> it was very expensive. I think all told, I mean. Yeah, I think it was probably around $5,000 all told. Yeah. I did a lot of it myself. I edited it myself. It would have been a lot more. And yeah. and back yeah. in the day, dude, before like um being able to have access to pro quality equipment at a it would be a lot like more. at the level that we're doing it, it it could have been 100 grand. Like this yeah. kind of shit like I mean like know, I mean I, I, live in I LA, just got a so, second like, good camera and um yeah. This, I mean, this thing shoots 4K, 60 frames a second, and, like, with a lens, it's $2,000. Yeah, and, it's... it like, 10 years ago, if you wanted 4K, 60, you'd be renting an RE... Um, yeah. I think they're called Alexa. Yeah. I want to make sure my Echo didn't trigger. Yeah, don't say um, <laughs> but, like, you might rent it for $10,000 a week. Or, you know, like, rent it. Because they cost, yeah. it would cost a hundred thousand dollars or whatever. And now you can buy a camera that's better than that. I mean, depends on how you look at it. For less than two grand, and honestly, you, for less than a thousand bucks, you can get something that would do like 1080 with a great lens and and it's yeah, come down. And it's uh, and you can learn so much just from YouTube yeah. and like. You know, like it's that's not going to make it good. It's not going to make you be able to write a a, a script or conceptualize a, a great idea. I mean, I don't necessarily know that I've done that, um, but I think I did what I wanted to do, and yeah. it looks basically exactly how I imagined it, which is awesome to me. It's a really like, good video. I was able to get it from my brain on, into the video. Um, now. That's because I've been editing videos for over ten years, like just yeah. fucking getting my ten thousand. You have hours the equivalence on. of a film studio in your in. Well, I don't know if it's yeah. at your home or if it's a separate building, yeah. but it's it's well, it's in the garage. But that like all, the whole narrative part of it, the uh, the the two actors, I filmed all of that in the garage, just with my own yeah. lighting and cameras, and um, the the white background part. I rented a psych wall um, studio that was in that's in Burbank, which is the mm. next town over. Like um, now, living in LA, like I have access to Everything. good quality actors, yeah. great spaces to shoot in. 
it's a lot video. harder to find a space to shoot in in Massachusetts where I am. Like it's, I did find a local one, um, but it's like, it's a couple. I think it was five hundred dollars an hour. It was a really cool space. I might be wrong. Maybe it was two fifty an hour, but it was expensive. Um, but they had like cameras ready there that you could use and they had multiple staged rooms that they would swap out every month so like one one week the room might be like there'd be like a bathtub and it'd be like the room would be splattered in blood and then the next month it might be like that room is now like a prison cell and the next month it's like an alien abduction you know so they constantly are swapping it out and um so i thought about doing i recommend checking out peer space i think that's where i found them but I'm gonna look um, that up. There's a lot of there's a lot of really cool places, and uh, that's where I find that. And like, uh, there's there's similar types of websites that just people just list their spaces, and you can rent them. Um, there, yeah. I I recommend those because uh, it's usually really easy to find a spot. I don't even know how I like. Otherwise, you have to do like location scouting, and it's yeah. a pain in the ass. But like. Um, I might just hire somebody to do the next one, you know, like I, I, yeah. I think we're at a level where we can, we could probably do that now. And I think it's important to be able to, um, not like this one took us two years. <laughs> like we shot the, the band, was it two years Two December. I mean, of course there was a pandemic yeah. right in the middle, but like. It would have been worth it instead of paying five thousand dollars and waiting two years if it cost eight thousand dollars and it got done in like two exactly. two months. You know, it it'd be yeah. worth the extra yeah. cost. And to outsource all of it, so all we have to do is yeah. show up and do what the director says and like conceptualize it with them because I would be pretty involved, specific about what I wanted. But like, you know, like like, uh, why do we think that we have to do everything? You know, I always tell people like. Do you want to be a musician? Do you want to be an artist or do you want to be an engineer? Because yeah. people out there think they have to fucking be, they have to be able to mix and master their own shit. And then either they don't get it done because uh, they don't ever learn how to do it or it's, or they do it and it sucks. It's the whole Instead time of- versus money thing. You know, if, if you don't have any money, you're going to have to put in the time and learn how to do it and, do your best yeah. but there, there's definitely a point where you know if you have money and you don't have any time it's, it'd be way better to have someone who can do it right you know yeah but i mean yeah, I, it's like- I do it with with all my solo music i do all the mixing and mastering and it's kind of a thing that's like a point of pride in my music for for the ever waking moment stuff well, that's where mr eric simey comes in <laughs> um because I couldn't crank out the music at the quality and pace that we're trying to go for if I also had to do all the mixing and mastering for that. And in addition to my solo stuff, and so like Eric enables that make to make that happen, you know. And so Yeah. Yeah. And like I think everybody needs a everybody needs a Zyme in their life, <laughs> like if you're a musician. Like you yeah. need you need a, a producer, engineer who can do those things for you and be an expert in those so that you can do the thing that you're going to be the best at, you know? Um, like, um, so like he does all my mixes and masters for full mix stuff on the channel. And 
um, if I was having to also learn how to do that, that's a whole other like lifetime of yeah. study to get good at that. And I don't like that would be I'd be putting it out when I'm 65. <laughs> You know, like I only took a, like I only do the video stuff because I really love to do it and I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. But if that's another thing that I can outsource and still and have a higher quality uh, end product that still um, fits my vision, then I'm 100 percent going to outsource that yeah. because like. Why do I have to do everything like. I want to be a musician. I want to fucking write songs and play them. And I don't want to be a, you know, I don't want to be an engineer. Like I don't, that's not exciting and sexy to me. Like I am so fucking grateful that there are people who want to do that and yeah. care about it a lot. But like, it's, it was just like not wanting to do gear shit anymore. Like I love gear, but I don't, I don't want to have to care about what like fucking kinds of tubes are in the amp that I have. Like I just, yeah. I, and I like, I don't, the, I don't want to learn circuit design so that I can play the guitar. Yeah. So anyway, that was a, that was a much longer rant than I intended <laughs> to. I have one more question. It's very going to be a quick one. And then um, yeah, I got to go eat some salmon. <laughs> dinner is finished and I'm starved. So it, this one comes from Eric Simi, and it's a fun one. So if Purgatory was a new hope, is Scream the Phantom Menace? <laughs> I fucking hope not. <laughs> but that's what I call pod racing. Um, yeah. Oh, 13 Flaws uh, says that's a t-shirt. Everybody needs a Simi. Everybody needs a Simi? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Man, what would I? I hope that it would be more like a. Uh, I as long as it's not the Star Wars Christmas special, <laughs> I guess I'm pretty happy because I don't feel the need to bury it. What's a, like? What would be a better example? I think Scream is more like a little bit more like uh, what was the standalone uh. Star Wars movie, newer Star Wars movie that came out. Oh, Rogue One? Rogue One. I think it's more like Rogue One. It's a little yeah. more self-contained. Even though it's part of the larger story, it's a small little self-contained adventure. It's shorter than a lot of our songs. Although a lot of the songs on the new album are pretty short compared to a lot of my older ones. But like, and, uh, you know, it's like, it's it was a really good single, I think, because it was just this sort of like, here's a whole thing that you could enjoy. It's part of the larger story, but if you don't get that, it doesn't matter. It's just a cool, catchy banger. <laughs> nice. Well. And, and George Lucas was not involved. No George Lucas. Anything. You are the George Lucas. Uh, not, not allowed. Thanks for hanging out, everyone. This has been a fun, how long How long have we been going? Yeah, a long About time. two hours. So thanks, everyone, for hanging out. Yeah, it's really been two hours. It's, um, yeah. Smash that like button, subscribe. If you if you want to do that thing, and if you're if you're here for me and you've never heard of Trey before, go check out his channel. There's a link yeah. in the description. Um, really good. Yeah, if you make music and like my marketing content, you'll probably like his songwriting content because you are probably a songwriter who wants to make better music and watch people have fun doing it. So, yeah, um, and uh, and you're gonna want to make better songs that that 
uh, will make Andrew's job of marketing your <laughs> shit a lot easier. Like, exactly. We need each other so bad. So um, but everybody subscribe. Thanks for hanging out, everyone. I'm going to end the stream. And uh, have a good night. Yeah, guys. Peace out.